on Racing HQ, Monday's Experts, studying the form of racing's characters. Monday's Experts, he'd have always got the good oil, but you can't put a bet on at the finish of a race. Now on Monday's Experts, time to chat with the uh, the participants in New South Wales, the ACT, about the story behind the name. Today's guest, David Pfeiffer. He's got a good yarn to tell us. We're going to chat about uh, his rise to the position he's in and obviously what he hopes to achieve into the future. Good morning, David. Good morning. Great to chat with you, mate. Um, do you like talking about your, your past and, I guess, where you're headed um, I guess that depends what questions you're going to ask me. All right, well, let's go, mate. Let, where did it all begin? Where did you grow up? Uh, I've been in Warwick Farm for a long time. Um, so my main part of my background probably comes through Tony Wildman. Uh, I was with him for many, many years, but I first started with Tony. I was I was at Liverpool Primary School which is obviously around the corner from Warwick Farm. And I worked afternoons just, just picking up some manure, um, just trying to keep myself busy and keep some money rolling in, and uh, and it virtually just started from there. Yeah, so so you grew up in the Liverpool area? Yeah, yeah, you might as well call me a proper Westie. Um, but, yeah, grew up around Liverpool and, um, yeah, found myself um, um, hanging around Warwick Farm a bit and... Um, yeah, that's pretty much how my my racing started. Was there uh, racing in the family? None at all. So what what was it about the the races? Did you go with like you know a family to the races? Like what what made you go and get the job at Tony's when you were fifteen? Oh, I think so. I was only in primary school, and I was like most young kids are always looking to keep yourself busy and make some money. And I um, I started off um, just being the paper boy in the local region. And this is probably as I was in grade five and six, something along those lines. And then I knew Tony's staff, and and they they sort of said, "Why don't you come down and help with an afternoon after school?" And that's sort of how I got started. But yeah, there's no racing background for for me at all. Uh, wouldn't even knew much about race horses. Didn't know much about racing. Uh, very very novice, and uh, yeah, started off pretty much just being the box boy. So when you went back home then and obviously told the folks that, hey, this is what I'm doing, was what was the reception like? Because if they were foreign to it, were they a bit sort of going, oh, mate, are you sure you want to be doing this or righto? Well, well as I said, I started off being the, the, the paper boy, just riding the bike around Warwick Farm and, and selling papers and bits and pieces. And, and I think because I was already in that region, it was just another angle of a job. And, and I suppose, if anything, I suppose your parents are happy to see you. Have a job, you know, not not, yeah. not getting into trouble or well, back in those days there wasn't too many iPads or uh, video games, but um, but just I suppose it's happy enough that you're working and and keeping yourself out of trouble. What about at school at the time? Were you were you going okay at school? I mean, were you, were you playing any any sport? Oh, well, like you, Dave, we're a bit round yeah. and. There's not a uh, a lot of activity. We, but we try we try everything early, and then we just realise it's better just to sit on the sideline and watch, isn't it? Well, surprisingly <laughs> enough, I was quite a good basketball player. Fair income. <laughs> Fair income. Fair income. I was quite a good basketball player, and as it turned out, that uh, weight got in the way of my height, and it just, the career stopped pretty quickly in basketball. But I was playing. 
um, a fair bit of basketball in the Brisbane, Brisbane region when I got to around grade nine or ten. Um, I tried out and I like one of the, uh, how'd you call it, the like a feeder club for the Brisbane, Brisbane Bullets back then. Yep. Uh, back when Bruce Bolden was around that region. Wow. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, and then I ended up moving back to Queens, uh, back to Sydney um, after schooling and then went back to work for Tony Wildman. And pretty much I uh, I was working full time for him and I was just just a, a stable hand pretty much and I was with Tony for a long, long time and as time progressed so did my experience and and it's obviously learnt more and more and was doing a lot of strapping and so forth and then Tony started to get a good team on, on board and, and uh next minute there was horses travelling in the state and uh, I was the one travelling with the horses in the state for uh probably the, the past five years of his uh, his training career. That must have been fun, mate, because you get to see some other parts of the country, but also you've got that responsibility yourself. I learnt so much more in probably 10 years of being in the sales and the, the couple of years of travelling with horses, I learnt so much more. Um, just the, the, the attention that was required from me, the questions that was asked from Tony, um, the more involvement I had, uh, the more pressure that was applied to me from Tony, just of like even from the things of checking their feet, checking their legs, walking the tracks, um, just having so much more involvement. Where when you're at home, it was Tony would be doing all the the, the one percent of things. Where when I was away, the one percenters were required from me. Yeah, we're chatting this morning with David Pfeiffer. David, um, your time with Tony, and obviously you had. Uh, other time around with uh, Rogie Pride, Rod Craig, and then you decided to apply. We were in the midst of applying for your trainer's license in '07, and that was when equine influenza was around. Yeah, yeah. So I think I'd sent all my paperwork into Racing New South Wales, and about three days later, everything got closed down. Um, so uh, I spent six months. I'd, I was already working for Rod Craig at the time, and Rod was a great bloke, and he was good to learn off as well, and. And I ended up spending probably six months longer with Rod, um, just because of um, what had happened within the within racing. Um, so I had to sort of pretty much bide my time, but you know, um, it's uh, just just slowed down the process. But it was uh, uh, just one of those scenarios we just had to sit and wait. Yeah, when you did get that opportunity, mate. Um, obviously, uh, your well, what was your first winner you had? First winner. First winner, or the first big winner you had? I think my first winner was Enemy Dragline. I think it was an 1,100 metre race. It was fourth of the emergency in Corey Brown Road at Wyle. And that was your first winner. Was that one of was that one of your of Tony's horses? It was wasn't one of Tony's horses. It was one of Tony's clients called Keith Grocott. And I'm pretty I'm pretty sure that was my first winner. From that moment onwards, did you think that you'd achieve what you have? And obviously your other horses, some of your big names, atmospherical, Graceful Anna. Graceful Anna was just unbelievable for you, wasn't she? She, she was. So she was my first city winner, but not only first city winner, she was my first stakes winner on the same day. So my first city winner was a group three up in Queensland. That's, un- uh, that's unbelievable. Yeah, big, big shootout that day. 
What goes through your mind when something like that happens? I mean, obviously, you, you sort of have those moments in life where you sort of, you know, at the time, there's obviously, you know, fantastic, we might have backed it. You get that, you know, early bit of adrenaline and emotion, but it's not It's not until you're sort of maybe by yourself, whether it be back at the stables, could be driving home that night, That just that part self-reflection where you can put it all together and go, wow, this has just happened. And this is the story and journey that I've been on. I mean, they're unbe- they're unbelievable. Those feelings, aren't they? So with Grace Falana, I think her first start in the race was Rose Hill. She won second Rose Hill. Paddock come back, won first up. I think it was Melbourne Cup day at Kembla. And she won a couple of weeks later at Gosford. And then we went. We threw in the deep end. And we threw in the Magic Millions through a race. Wild. Uh, it was like early December back then. And I hope you can't find it, but if you had got hold of my interview that day, I reckon I was, I was a dribbling mess. I didn't know what to say. It was the first time we'd probably be interviewed, and obviously first big winner, and um, and first time that I've been swarmed by press on a big day, and then I, I was like a deer in headlights. Uh, so I couldn't even remember what I said on camera, um, but I remember walking away or driving home that night thinking, wow, this, this just happened. Yeah. And... Those horses, once you know the, you know, you, you know, um, as a trainer, you, you get something like that in your stable. To then get, you know, other horses in becomes a bit of a, a yardstick, a measuring stick, doesn't it? So she come on on the scenes. She won that race at Wyong. Then she went to Queensland and won at Dooman. That's the day she won the Group Three. Couple of weeks later, she won at. Uh, the three row Magic Millions at Gold Coast on that, that big day. And from there, it's, it's sort of avalanched really quickly for my stable. It, um, uh, I think I was quite well noticed in the industry and had a horse that had just won five in a row. Um, I'd be getting a lot of phone calls every day and, and a small part of me was thinking, geez, how easy is this? Um, and I started gathering up a big team of horses and client base and and bits and pieces like that. And, and he also, you know, he had a great team of staff that around me at the time that helped all this happen. Um, but it sort of snowballed from there. And it's sort of every year I was just lucky enough to pick up some some good horses, some good clients, some good staff. Um, and, yeah, from, from, from years upon that, um, you know, I was lucky enough to just keep picking up some of the horses that you mentioned earlier. I'm going, I was going through your stats now. In terms of uh, Group 1 performances, Gay's choice wasn't far away, was she? She was third in the Group 1. Um, I was going back through another one that uh, also uh, Dead Magic in the Maya Classic. See, have you not won a Group 1 race, or have I got that wrong? Uh, the Galaxy. I'm the Ga- excited. Oh, I'm excited, yes, with the Galaxy. So that's your only Group 1 winner. It felt like a barrier trial that day, actually. It was, it was in the middle of COVID, so there was no crowd there. So you, your, no, big, your biggest moment, you got, <laughs> there was no... Biggest, moment, biggest win of my career, and I think I walked off the track with not a drop of alcohol in me, carrying two trophies, and I'm like, I can't even go to the pub, and that <laughs> even closed. <laughs> what, what about, you know, the future, and obviously wanting to try and, you know, get to that pinnacle again? I mean... You've obviously started your career, as you literally said, picking up the the rubbish at yep. uh, at Tony's place and working your way through. In your time since you've started, how much more difficult has it got as a trainer like yourself that 
doesn't have the luxury of, you know, um, massive money from overseas clients, etc., to try and find those Group 1 horses? Well, as you say, it is getting a lot stronger. Um, you know, back 10 years ago, you in your head, you'd say, well, let's just scoot one out to Golden or an hour to try and get an easy kill. And geez, there's no easy kills these days. Um, it's gotten tougher and tougher every year. It's gotten more and more competitive. And, you know, it's even getting harder to to to, to get horses or, or, or get new clients and whatnot. Um, but it, it's just getting so much more competitive um, with everything, really. It's, it's, it's you know, we can probably notice in the training ranks how, how much more competitive it is. Yeah, the the challenge is still there. Obviously, you had that that forced layoff, um, so you spent some time away from the sport. Does that just make you even more hungrier, though? So, I think the first couple of months was was quite daunting, and 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 you feel like you're in a dark place, and you 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 feel like you're you're frowned upon by the industry, and your family, your friends, your peers and whatnot, but after probably a month of, of sort of getting over it and you, you get yourself a job just to keep yourself busy. Um, I had a chat with Tommy Berry about all this not long ago just because I'd, I'd come from the same position. And after you sort of you come to the fact of going, right, I will just got to do your time and get on with it, um, you actually start to look at the, the broader picture of it all. But when I got closer and closer to the back end of my disqualification. Um, it, I got more hungry. Um, and the break, so I'd been training for 15 years at that stage, and the break had actually done me the world of good. I think now, I'm in, now I'm back in it full time again. Um, I feel that I'm hungrier. Um, I can take, deal with stress a lot better. I can uh, deal with clients a lot better and a clearer picture and I've also um, probably deal with staff better and and I, I feel overall the whole scheme of things I think uh, I think the whole thing's made me a better trainer a better person a better boss um, I think a lot of it's improved me mm-hmm. was it difficult at the time and I often thought this was it difficult at the time seeing your horses win for other trainers it's guttering it's, yeah. as much as you want to watch it was sort of guttering, knowing that you've put so much time and effort into the horse, uh, the owners, and bits and pieces, whether it's come from managing issues, whether it's buying the sales. Um, you know, you've, a lot of horses that you've spent so much time and so many years with. Yeah, I often thought that because we'd see horses popping up and winning, whether it be maidens, you know, it. I don't know, the South Coast or, or, or whether they're winning, you know, at Scone on big race days. And I did think, you know, geez, um, you know, the, the, the thought process of, of that because, of, you know, there was obviously um, probably gentlemen's agreements and whatnot that, you know, these horses would be returning to you. But then, you know, if an owner experiences something, experiences, you know, success with this other train, I mean, at the end of the day, it's a, it, they're all businesses. Uh, and you've got to make sure that uh, your clients are, are happy. And that's, I guess, one thing, too, you would have learnt. And it's not just yourself. It's probably another a number of trainers and, and people in the industry that have been in similar situations that you realise uh, how loyal uh, owners and, and people in the business can be. So that's 
one of the things that I've, I've really took on board probably the first six months of me returning back to racing was that I had such a big team of client base that were waiting for me to come back. There were people that had their horses sitting in the paddock waiting for me to return. Um, I had staff waiting for me to return. So um, uh, it really dawned on me that, that you know, there's some, some great people around me and it also makes me hungrier to, 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 to do a great job for them. Um, and my staff, I have a great, great team of staff. I've got my foreman, who's, who's Sue O'Keefe, who's been with me for 10 years, maybe even longer. Mm. Um, yeah, so it's, it's great to, to uh, acknowledge the fact that I've got such a, such a, a big team of people around me that, that have backed me and supported me, uh, even after I'd, I'd uh, put myself on the sidelines and put them all through a bit of headache that they've all come back and, 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 and backed me and backed me up and, and uh, helped me get back to where we are today. Uh, like I said, not just me, not just my staff, but also the owners. It's, it's good that we're all getting a bit of return success. We're chatting with David Pfeiffer this morning on Monday's Experts. David, what about what you want to achieve in the future? You've got that Group 1, obviously, uh, which we spoke about before with I'm Excited. That was in COVID. No doubt you love to win a, a Group 1 when there is a crowd there, but... What about particular races? What's one race you'd love to win? What's uh, what's one occasion you'd love to have? Well, there's always a pinnacle race that everyone's got in their head, but with all the new races that are popping up now, it's just hard to identify one you'd want to look at. It's, uh, I would have said 10 years ago, I would have said I wanted to win a Cox Plate. But now, because there's so many new races around, like the Everest, the Golden Eagle, the, you know, all those sort of races, it's, sort of, it's really harder to find what which one you want to chase? I dare say I'm just happy to win one of them, any of them. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> ten, anything's ten possible. Ago, it was all about, ten years ago, it was all about the slipper. It was all about Cox Plate. It was all yeah. about the Melbourne Cup. But now there's, there's so many good races on. And it's a credit to racing in itself of how much of how good the prize money is, how, how mm. good a show they're putting on for everyone and how many more races they're bringing on for, for the owners and, and, the, and the crowds and so forth. It's, you know, the amount of money that's been poured in the industry to, to boost prize money and then bring on these big races, it's, it's great for everyone. It certainly is. We're chatting with David Pfeiffer this morning. David, how many horses have you got in work? 37 at the moment. 37. And how many, have you got room, more room to wiggle with or is that your capacity, that's all you want? Oh, I'm happy around that 40, 50 number. It's hard to probably just accumulating more boxes here and there. Uh, I have inquired around of the new stables that they're building at the Gold Coast, but realistically, I'd like to keep it centralised in, in Sydney. And uh, I'm in the process of picking up a few more boxes here at Warwick Farm. And you know, if I can keep in between those numbers and, and not, I don't want to get too big. It's, I think when you get too big, you've probably got to have a team of staff and people around you. And I think everyone knows that this day and age, it's hard to get staff. So. I don't want to get too big where we where we can lose touch of things and, and put our own one percenters on on our on our jobs on our horses and our roles. Um, but at the moment everything's working well. I've got a good team of riders, I've got a good team of staff, and and I've got a, quite a few people that've been with me for a long, long time. So um, doing it slowly, strengthen your, your team base up around you. Um, you. I don't really want to get too much bigger, but um, uh, there's there's always uh, there's always room for improvement and. Yeah, I think that comes when you've got the, uh, the right people around you and horses. Very, very well said, David. You've got a couple in tomorrow at uh, Newcastle uh, and Bathurst. You've also got uh, horses non for Saturday. 
Can you give us just a winner, something we can back? Give you a winner. Um, so, a couple of Newcastle tomorrow, they'll probably get scratched from all the wet weather. Um, there's three going to go to Bathurst. Um, Ocean's one's been in great form. He would like a bit of downpour and rain. He's a horse that's screaming out for wet track and he's been performing on top of the ground. So if it rains, he's going to strengthen his chances even more. Uh, and then what have we got on Saturday? We've got Excelitus, who will enjoy a drop of rain as well. We've got Winchat, who's probably an improving three-year-old. He's had a lot of battery issues in his past, but I thought it was a real good run first up at Canterbury. And we've got Go Tropo in the midway mile, who looks like he's screaming out for the mile as well. So with plenty of uh, horses um, around and plenty of um, plenty of chances heading into them. I like it. Thanks so much for chatting us to us this morning, mate. Appreciate it, and great to hear some of your story. Look forward to seeing how the the rest of it unfolds. There's still plenty more chapters left. Beautiful, David Pfeiffer on Monday's experts.